Okay, so we are recording, and I think if we're just right here facing this way, we should be good. We should good. be fine. Okay. Yeah, so long as you talk this to way. To the mic and not this way? Exactly. So how many cups of coffee is this for you right now? Uh, I don't know. Two, four, 37, 37. something like that. Like today. In the I'm afternoon talking today. Or in the morning? <laughs> uh, this afternoon, this is number two. Nice. Yeah, so this is number three for my afternoon. I think number five for the entire day. Okay, I'm about, yeah, yeah I'm about I won't drink any in. tonight when I go home. Ooh, not even a decaf? <sighs> See, yeah, I, I just might. got you. Yeah, you did. I might. The decaf might. is the kicker there. It is the kicker because I just do, I'm tired. Uh-huh. I'm tired. The coffee soothes me. Even if it's just decaf, it like lets me know everything's going to be all right. Yeah. You're going to be fine. I told you about my yeah. new favorite coffee. What's that? The Corner Bakery. The oh, Baker's yes. Delight. Mm. I don't know why. I'm loving it right now. Uh, there's this one. Uh, I get, it's in the yellow box. It's called like Cafe Bustillo or something like that. I don't know. It's a special style. I, I got to tell you, I bought it because I was like, that's new. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, whatever. I'm going to try it. <sighs> it took me back to Mexico City. Ah, and gotcha. I was so relieved that I found something like that. At the same time, so sad. It's like when coffee takes me back to Italy. Yeah. You hold those like the taste buds they remember. Yeah, they they remember. remember good coffee. <laughs> and sometimes we just don't get good coffee in our no, field. No. We, we, I've had really some don't. really bad yes. coffee over the years. As a librarian. Horrible. As an educator, you know, like when they bring that like no-name coffee, mm-hmm. okay, like, okay, when you, even if you bring Starbucks coffee, that's decent. Yeah. But when you bring a coffee from Jason's Deli, I'm sorry, but why are you doing this to us? I know, but remember, I just had, and maybe it was just me because I was so tired and all yeah. I wanted was coffee, mm-hmm. like, running through my my veins. It was the greatest thing I've ever had. The Cornerstone? Uh, Corner Bakery. Corner Bakery. Corner, Cornerstone. Cornerstone. Close Cornerstone. Whatever. Yeah. That's another school in yeah. our district. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, close enough. So, ugh. You should try it when you're, like, completely chill, not stressed out, you're on vacation mm-hmm. and see if it tastes the same. Yeah. And just decide. Yeah. I need to take that coffee from the Alcanya Bar and now take it back to Mexico, back to Mexico, and see if it holds up. But the real question is, the bad coffee at the PD trainings, did you still drink it? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. Yeah. I've never been like, meh, and thrown it away like, whatever. I'll it's like I'm complaining it. as I pour, <laughs> I know. you know, into my large tumbler of like 60 ounces. I'm still going to drink it. <laughs> Emptying out that little thing that it comes in. Oh, man. You might even go back for another cup. Yeah, just because. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm Jimmy Mai. I'm Shelby Slay. And welcome back to Behind the Circulation Desk. It's been a couple of weeks. It has. We've been so busy. We've been really busy. Uh, The school year started 2019 to 2020. (sighs) How are we already here? I don't know. I but feel like I've had no summer. Yeah. I no mean, we did summer. Lots of stuff. Well, you didn't. You I were didn't. I worked a lot. Uh, yeah. You were up at Stratford preparing it for uh, Laura Fuller, our new Stratford Shout librarian. Shout out. Shout out, Laura. You're, Woo! We're so excited to have you. Yeah, we really are. Um, so you were up there doing a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. we even recorded a couple of sessions. We up did. There. Yeah. It was all of the stuff I couldn't get to in the year. Mm-hmm. You know, being the only person in the library is very taxing and you don't have time to do those administrative tasks like uh you know reports and inventory and weeding you know just general cleaning yeah i weeded but not like i should have been weeding so when it came to the summer and i started weeding 
oh man. Yeah. It was serious. No, it is. Yeah. And it's heads up to people, don't get freaked out by weeding. Yeah. It, it's something we have to do. You know, you're removing is. things for bad content. Mm-hmm. Maybe old? A, yes, old, musty, mildewy books. Oh, yeah. you don't want that. Yeah. And for our listeners who aren't librarians or don't know what weeding is and think we're talking about things that we should only talk about in Colorado, it's going through the collection and weeding out the bad books. Yes. Weeding out the old books, the ones with misinformation. Maybe we have too many and we're going to send them to another campus, which happens all the time. Yeah. So that's what we mean by weeding. And uh, it's a big, arduous task. And you really do need like a week to do it. At least. So when you got... 100 kids in your library during lunch before and after school when you have teachers you know wanting to collaborate with you or needing resources administrators who are asking you to help out with other administrative tasks and just the general hustle and bustle of a normal day it's really hard to get lost in all that and not do the things that we need to do such as weeding uh, inventory even cleaning up the library yeah. Like that one desk drawer that I have that I've been neglecting for the past three oh, years. I had like five of them over yeah, there. And, and I didn't you know, realize. Yeah. Because it's like you do one and then you leave it like, oh, mm-hmm. I'll get to it later. And yeah. then you start another one. Yeah. And oh, you just God. never go back to that no. drawer to use it. And I was so organized <laughs> in so many places. And then I was going through and opening drawers and going, oh, God, what did I do yeah. here? Yeah. It's the drawer that must not be named. That's right. Mm-hmm. You must never open you that You must drawer. never open it. You must never go there. That's right. You know, it's like the Lion King. You know, <laughs> you got a new budding librarian come in. Like, what's over there in that drawer? You must never go there. No. <laughs> Do not ever open that drawer. And then what happens? You open the drawer. And then, mm-hmm. Then terror ensues. <laughs> Luckily, I cleaned all of those drawers for her. Good job. I know. I know. See your golf club. Woo, woo. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, so did you ever finish your PD book? I did. I got halfway through it. Okay. Yeah. You're still on what, a, novel a novel approach. approach yeah. I finished Disruptive Thinking. I mean, amazing book. Yeah. All right. The concepts, the approach. ideas, their whole stance on, yes, choice is important. Mm-hmm. And yes, reading is important. But it's not just, you know, what you're reading. It's the why and the how that goes with it. Right. It's that idea behind... Are we reading to analyze text or mm-hmm. are we reading to build lifelong readers? Right. And that's the difference because there is such a large drop off in our readers going from, you know, the kindergarten picture book and mm-hmm. then moving into, you know, your chapter books, second, mm-hmm. third, fourth grade, moving on from there, and the kids that we lose once we start over analyzing text and doing too many things you know what? away from just showing them the art I'm and glad, love of reading. I'm glad you mentioned that because you're absolutely right. When I was a kid, you know, I wasn't a dumb kid, mm-hmm. but I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. And the thing about that is that when I got my Goosebump books, you know, or the books oh, equivalent to the books. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, yep. books that we had back then, uh, Animorphs, um, the, you know, the, the Boxcar Mysteries, you. Scary Stories, Scary mm-hmm. Stories You Tell in the Dark. I loved all that stuff. Babysitters. Yeah. yeah. I read all of that. I devoured it. But as soon as we got into middle school, and I remember it clearly, and we picked up The Hobbit, in middle school, I was lost. Grade? Yeah. Okay. I was completely lost. And next thing you know it, we're analyzing. I remember she was talking about the significance of why they were in the woods. You remember that part where they're uh-huh. fighting off the spiders, and they're shooting their arrows off, and they can't go get their arrows? And I remembered that because the only thing I remembered was the dang arrows. Like, I, that's it. And truthfully, like... 
that yeah. part in the book, which a what a cool scene. It's completely in insignificant Druid. to the overall yes. arc of the story. Yes. And it wasn't until I read The Hobbit many years later as a college graduate, as a person who's in education, thinking I'm like, oh, maybe I should read this with my high yep. schoolers, that I appreciate the novel for what it was. And I got to tell you, between I think it was sixth grade all the way up to my 10th grade year of high school, I did not read. You know my I was not a reader. Yeah. Yeah. You know my story, right? Exactly. About yeah. ninth grade English. Mm -hmm. I had to analyze Cry the Beloved Country. And for all those of you out there that love Cry the Beloved Country, I probably need to pick it up and read it again. But as a ninth grader, no, I could not. Absolutely not. Could not get into it. And then yeah. my English teacher, I, I read it. I did my assignment. But then she got up in front of the class, read portions of my paper, Mm -hmm. And goes, why on earth do you think that you should be in this class? Wow. Not just to me. There was others of us, too. Yeah. I, I was done. And it wasn't until junior English yeah. when my English teacher at that time set mm -hmm. Pride and Prejudice down my desk and said, you're going to read this, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk. Yeah. She didn't say, you're going to do this or that. We are going to sit and What's talk about this What's the book, book? Um, Walter D. Myers wrote about Fallen Angel, I think? Is that what it's uh, called? I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, um, it wasn't until junior level English until the, my teacher gave that to me and said, you ought to read this book, mm -hmm. you know, while everybody else reads this book. Yep, and that was mine. And it was a choice, you know. We had a choice to read, and I was like, oh, cool. And it was about the Vietnam War. But more importantly, it was about a, a person of color and their experience. And next thing you know, it, I'm reading August Wilson, you know. And I'm reading all of his stories. And yes, okay, you know, I'm not African American, but the similarities between, you know, the 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 nature of being oppressed, uh, mm -hmm. racial prejudices, prejudices, discrimination really resonated with me. And it wasn't until that point in my life that I realized I could find books that related to me. Yep. And The Hobbit's great. I love it. But let's be honest, and this is the talk thing we're talking about agency, uh, giving students the choice, and we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, with our other presentation, was I was given a choice. I was given a, an opportunity to find something that would resonate with me. Exactly. And if it wasn't for her, and if it wasn't for Wendy Warren, my U.S. history teacher, letting me borrow Jack Dawes by Ken Follett, yes. I would never have gotten back into reading. I would never have Let gotten back know. into, yeah, exactly, into the idea of reading history and nonfiction. And yeah, I mean, Wendy Warren and um, I forget that other teacher's name, God, you know, bless her, but those were the two teachers that were pivotal in my life to getting me back on the, you know, humanities track and eventually going to college to pursue my bachelor's in English and, and master's in library sciences into the career that I have now. You know, what's so amazing about that is I feel like library, excuse me, librarians either have the story of, I've always loved reading, you know. Mm -hmm. I had a librarian that was so important in my life, or I had a teacher, or they have the other story of yeah. there was some reason that they left reading and someone led them back to that love of it, and that's right. why. They don't want kids to experience exactly. what they experience. And I don't want to ever, what's the word? I don't ever want our teachers or even us as librarians or the Institute of Education to fall into a a trap of saying like, okay, you have to only focus on skills in order to be a good reader. No, being a good reader comes from enjoying things that you, like into reading things that you enjoy to read. Exactly. Case in point, which is what we talked about at not only Level Up, yes, but at our, uh, what does DSDD stand for? Uh, district Staff Development Days. 
That sounds pretty that good. Sounds good right? <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> We're gonna I go don't with know that. If that's right, but it sounds. <laughs> it good. sounds good. It matches up the letters. <laughs> I got them all in there. You got them all in Those there. Those acronyms, man. Education. Dude. We can really throw out some acronyms yeah. for no reason. Absolute reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got that. So we did this presentation mm -hmm. about um, new young adult lit titles. Walk me through that, like how? Because I jumped in at the last minute. You did. With your and Nicole's presentation, mm -hmm. and um, I was really grateful for the opportunity afterwards to have done it. I think that, I mean, so where I'm did this so come glad from? I jumped in, by the way. It was, I think, with the three of us. Thank you. Just no, we did a great job. Uh, so this actually came about from last school year. Mm -hmm. um, we had the Level Up Conference last school year, and somehow Nicole and I just got talking, and we were like, let's present some books. I, I still, to this day, don't know why. Uh, we weren't made to. We weren't asked to. We just went for it. Nice. And it was more about that idea of showing our teachers that, yes, there are other choices out there besides To Kill a Mockingbird for mm -hmm. the 23rd time, as we oh, discussed the other yes. day. I don't know if or you guys have Gatsby. seen that. Um, what, was that a tweet or where the person was like, how many times did you read To Kill a Mockingbird yes, before the end of high tweet. school? Yes, it was a tweet, yeah. Someone, I think, was 23 times throughout yeah. their life until the end of high That's school. That's adorable. Yeah, That's and awful. I love that book. I'm yeah, not saying it's that it's not book. a great book. It's a great play. It's a great movie. Yep. All around, a great piece of literature, mm -hmm. one that definitely deserves, deserves a place in the canon of our history of literature that we've offered to the world. Yeah, don't but get me started on Danny books right Lord, now. you know? <laughs> yeah, 23 like times for one person throughout yeah. your educational career up no to high school. Way. That's more than they. That's more times they read that than years that they were in school. Yeah, I was, there was a public librarian uh, who I was talking to, a former public librarian, she had told me that throughout her entire high school career, she read Great Expectations mm -hmm. by uh, Charles Dickens at least six times. Why? Yeah, because what she had classes? moved to a different school every time. Oh, and so, so that's... Yeah, but still, you figure moving to a new school won't offer you the same book. Yeah. They'd probably offer you something different, and that would lie us in the problem of our system today. So I'm going to admit something right now. All right. I started great expectations. I couldn't finish it. No. And I half of these classics, you so can't. So all of those of you out there that love it, I I had to put it down. It was a put down. You know what? And I'll tell you what was a put down for me. The Great Gatsby. Really? Yeah. That one I cannot me. stand that book. And it, let me tell you. <laughs> you even I just, called it <laughs> that book. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> I didn't like the movies. I don't okay. see the obsession with it, and every time someone talks about, like, especially people who are Mexican, black, Asian, or what have you, talk about how they want to be in that time period, yeah. I have to remind them, like, you understand we would have been the servants yeah, in that book. So right. We would have been the ones in the back. You were so right. Putting out all those lavish dishes and all yeah. that good stuff. And it just, it, it, it makes me irate because I don't understand the significance of it, Personally, I don't think it's a good book. I can see the literary elements of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Symbolism, you know, with that what that green light in the distance, you know. But give it a rest. I mean, there are plenty of better books out there that we could be reading to our kids. Give it an absolute rest. You want to stay with the classics? Hey, leave classics to the undergrads. Gotcha. You know, okay. leave it to the you know people who have to take those literature classes, who are going to major in that field. 
And you know what? Okay, sure. If you're taking an AP class, <laughs> you gotta be reading those well, novels. Well, yeah, you have to be. Yeah, yeah. that's because you're on a different level. But, but we've if we're talking about, about this too. Yeah. The AP test is even changing. Yeah, it, you know, they've got a new the, director over all of it who's younger and wants to pull in, mm -hmm. you know, those diverse titles and I the mean, new how titles. How do we expect anyone in this day and age to connect to the Great Gatsby when you have all of this other stuff going on in the world? That doesn't even remotely tie into that. Not that I'm not knocking this title. No, I know what you I'm mean. I'm not not saying that we should. It doesn't. It's not worthy of study. But I mean, some two six hundred what six hundred migrants were arrested yesterday. Okay. I think it was six hundred. You're right. There's a high schooler out there right now wondering where he's going to get his next meal. I want you to analyze the importance of the Green Light and the Great Gatsby. Yeah. No, man, that's not how you're going to connect them. You give him a book of something that he's going through or she's going through right now. That's going to get them. That's going to get them to school. That's going to get them to live a better life to for more opportunities so they can turn around, change policy in this country, and get their parents back home. But hey, you know what? Daisy. <laughs> I've got a question for you. Yes. What about the aspect of having your class novel that you're reading, but then giving, like, giving kids open reading time on certain days to choose whatever they want. What about that parallel? Because there's a lot of teachers doing yeah. that too. I absolutely, I, I agree with that. I like that because there has to be some, um, what's the word, give. Yeah. You know, as, an Eng, as a former English teacher, you know what, scratch that. As an English teacher, because I still do this on the day-to-day -day basis. We do, we still teach every day. Yeah. You have to have a novel in which everybody reads collectively in order to be one, on point to see where everybody's at to gauge, you know, are people progressing, are people getting the writing skills that they need, et cetera, when they're analyzing literature. But you also need to give them an opportunity to read what they want to read so they can connect those texts to the ones they're reading, either when saying like, hey, it's similar to this because, or I like this one better because, and I'm going to read this one with greater intensity because I enjoy it. So yeah, I think there should be both. Oh, well, now that we've gotten off on a tangent, yeah. let's pull back <laughs> on over to what we were talking about earlier. Um, yeah. So Level Up, our presentation, DSDD, mm -hmm. did the same presentation. Did we do it anywhere else? I feel like we did it more, more times. We did it at our meeting. Oh, we did it at our library meeting. Yeah, That's it was right. impromptu. We were running um, on coffee. We were, we were running on adrenaline. a lot of coffee <laughs> and that fantastic Mexican food that you took oh. us to. Oh, my god! If you're in the Houston area, Tacos de Julio on Log oh. Point, um, right off of Hammerly, yes. and um, the other one is um, Bingle. Oh, there's a second not, one? Not Hammerly, excuse me. Sorry, it's um, it's on Long Point between Bingle and um, Wirt. Oh, I thought there was two yeah. locations. There is, I was like, there where's the second? One. The other one's in Katy off okay. of um, Highway 6. But if you really want some authentic Mexican tacos, go to Tacos de Julio. Yeah. yeah, and you know how close it is to here. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have... Problems I ruined this your year. life. Not good. No, you didn't. Well, maybe you ruined my diet, but ruined not necessarily diet. my life. But I think you made my life better by taking me to yes. that place, but ruined my diet. You know what? I think I'm going to have some of that next week when I when See? we do our work day. Yeah. Going to go sit down, have my agua fresca. Anyways. Oh, yeah. We're about to go back to the Yeah. So back to our yeah. presentation. So. What was the nature? What was your you and Nicole? Really quick, Nicole Sala is Springwood High School's librarian. Yes, another She's librarian. Our colleague. She's fantastic. Um, yeah, she too. does a lot of great I work. I can't wait till we can yeah. finally talk her into coming on here. I know, but yeah. she's super busy right now because she's 
actually missing her library right now. She is. <laughs> she's in her a whole different ballgame. Her library is packed game. in boxes right now, yeah. except for a couple. So, so, but she's getting a whole new, exactly. beautiful library. So she's just got to tough it out for a couple That's right. years. That's what we're going to tell her, right? Like, listen, you're yeah. getting a really nice new Get library. Get that carrot. So, uh, <laughs> you're so, going to be there pretty soon, though. You know, actually, they're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. no. There's no. Jimmy's getting a new library pretty soon. Actually, a whole new school, right? A whole right? new school. Yeah. Really excited. So what was the end game with this uh, presentation? What was y'all's goal, your vision for it? What did you want teachers to take out of it? I think from the presentation, we wanted teachers to take away just that thought that yes, we can give choice to kids mm -hmm. in books. And that there are some fantastic books out there right now that are often overlooked. Right. Because not that they are, I'm not saying misunderstood, I'm not saying that but maybe it's not something that a teacher would normally pick up. For now, classroom. exactly, for yeah. the class. Or they even just for themselves. they just think that it's, you know, a YA book that everyone's enjoying. Mm -hmm. You know that oh, you know, this is just what the kids are reading, but it does not relate to anything with my class. You know, there's nothing we can do with this book. There's nothing that they're going to gain from this book except for enjoyment, but are right. we supposed to be doing that? Yeah, exactly. You're <laughs> right. You're right. On from that. <laughs> we We're won't go heated, back to that again. We're getting into it today. <laughs> All right. So in the presentation, um, Nicole uh, touched on why picture books are still such an important part of secondary, mm -hmm. like education, um, and that whole idea behind using picture books to show plots and what what else do we talk about? Plot, uh, setting, literature um, elements, symbolism, yeah. imagery. Characterization. Um, characterization, conflict, in, conflict resolution. Yeah. In a short amount of time, mm -hmm. but still helping kids grasp that whole concept. And also not even just that, but it's especially helpful for like our, you know, ELLs mm -hmm. and our special ed students because you're not asking them to read a hundred pages of text. Of text, yeah. exactly. That's high level text mm -hmm. and telling them to pull these concepts from that. Right. You know, hey, no, here's right. a 20 page you know, picture book mm -hmm. that's going to help you along the way. And I can teach this to you quickly in one class period to hopefully set you up for success. Yeah. And then for those of you listening, if you don't think a picture book will engage teenagers. Oh, I my you, gosh. When I was doing my <laughs> library program, I was teaching juniors yes. at uh, KIPP, KIPP Generations Collegiate. And I had a stack of picture books on my desk because I had just started my MLS program mm -hmm. that semester. I had the same thing. Yeah, and one of my one of my kids, she comes up to me, he's like, what's up with all these picture books, mister? And I was like, you know, I'm doing them for class. I'm taking a children's literature class. And he said, some of these are pretty cool looking. I was like, yeah. So we opened up, flipped through it. Tell me why 30 minutes later I have 20 some odd 17 year olds on the sitting floor crisscross criss applesauce. <laughs> Looking just, at me as I'm reading yeah. them, my teacher is a monster. Guess <laughs> and then, what? They still want to be yeah, children, just like do. we do. They're laughing. They're engaged. I read them that book, um, This Is Not My Hat, yep. which we included on We talked about that one. And I kid you not, every stack, every book on that stack on my desk was later picked up by one of those kids and flipped through as the week went on because they were just so enraptured with it. Yes, they're picture books, but you know what? They were reading. And that's what matters. And that's what matters. So picture books are still cool. And there's some picture books that touch on a lot of different ideas. And they're a great way to look at it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So after picture books, we talked about graphic novels. 
And uh, you and uh, Nicole let me have this last Yeah, we did, because you are graphic novel. Graphic just... novels. And oh. um, so my love of graphic novels started with comic books, when they were still called comic books. I'm so out of coffee. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of coffee, too. <laughs> I just gave Jimmy the look of just like, oh, I'm out of coffee. <laughs> we're going to get another cup in a minute. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, a uh, long time ago, my uncle drops off this stack of comic books at my house. X-Men, Spider-Man, you know, all that the good stuff. Shebang. The whole shebang. And I just devour them, absolutely. I love these comic books. I love the way they float. And as a kid, you know, they had pictures in them. And I was like, this is awesome. This is way cool. Like picture books. Yeah, just like picture <laughs> books. And so I read them then. And it wasn't um, until a while later when I realized that, you know, it was so socially acceptable to read comic books, quote unquote, when people started referring to them as graphic novels. Now, I have qualms about the word graphic novel because I'll tell people, like, oh, you're into comics. Like, it's a graphic novel. I'm like, <laughs> no, that's a comic book. I was like, there is a difference. There is a difference. Because, and let me explain the difference right now really quick. So a comic book is something that's re uh, released in a serial. So X-Men, those are comic books. Batman, those are comic books. The only time it's a graphic novel, if it's written as a standalone and it's not issued as a monthly release. So the best we could do, um, the Smile, um, the Anne Frank Diary adaptation, The Kill a Mockingbird, Kite Runner, what about like March because it has multiple books? March, those be, are graphic yeah. novels because they're not serialized. Comic books that come out monthly, those are comic okay. books. All right, so now that I've gotten my spiel out of the way and my friends who are rolling their eyes at me because they've heard this argument before have started texting me because they disagree with me still, I'm going to move on. Um, we were talking about how graphic novels are really important for secondary schools because... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Is this really a giant this topic is, Yes, it's really a giant topic of conversation okay. because it annoys me to no end when I say, like, oh, I'm just reading this comic and I have, have the 30-page little flimsy comic that I get from my monthly yeah. box description at Bedrock City. And they're like, oh, you're reading a graphic novel. I'm like, no, no. I'm reading a comic book. And just because I'm a 35-year-old male doesn't lessen it. You know, it's still great entertainment. Sorry. I'm right, just we're thinking, done. We're I'm just done. thinking the whole term graphic novel came from somebody who was too ashamed to admit that they were reading a comic book and they had to make But academic. there is a difference. There is a difference Beyond, now. Beyond, yes, <laughs> yes, there is a difference. All right, all right. so okay, anyways. Moving on, moving on. So graphic novels. This part of the presentation, I really put my heart and soul into it because not only do I love graphic novels, but graphic novels are coming back in a huge way. For example... On this particular one, and we're going to have the link available for you guys to look at so you can look at this presentation. Yeah, we'll give that to you guys in just a little, well, towards the end. Towards the end. We'll throw yeah, it out we'll there. We'll throw it out there. But what I have on here is, are, excuse me, a few selections that people don't really know about that exist. So, for example, the graphic adaptation of Anne Frank Diary. Yep. That one. We talked about that one. one. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a great one. That was actually one of my summer reads. Powerful graphic novel. Sometimes the diary of Anne Frank is not accessible to students. Those particular students now have another option. If you're doing a Holocaust student along with Mouse and those other graphic novels about the Holocaust. But this particular one allows just a different take on a classic piece of literature. Do they have Number of the Stars? I don't know, but that would be an epic one. Oh. That was such a good read. And if they haven't done a graphic novel adaptation of Number of the Stars, they need to. That's one I'm going to have to the look into. The scene where see. they were bringing out the sniffing dogs, yeah, that was just intense, right? So the next one you have on here, To Kill a Mockingbird. 
Killing Mockingbird has been done to death in the English language arts classroom. And the reason is, is because it's a classic. But guess what? Now you have a graphic novel adaptation of a classic that students who don't like to read, who are reluctant, who can't necessarily get into the text because it's outdated, they have a graphic novel. They yeah. can engage in it a lot better. You know, and that's one thing you and I talked about mm -hmm. was the fact, remember that statistic of like, how many yes. times have you read it? It's almost like 23 times over the course of what, middle school and high school. Over the course of seven years. Yes, that's what it was. Reading the same book 23 times. And I love that book. I am a To Kill a, Mocking, uh, a Mockingbird fan, mm -hmm. um, but I'm with you. You know, yeah. sometimes you need to step forward, right? Exactly. Take a step forward to take a step back and see what we've been doing, right? And these graphic novels are really great. Along the lines, you have new ones such as March, uh, based on the Civil Rights Movement, Persepolis, and The Best We Can Do. These graphic novels really touch on the human experience and relate to students now in a way that's more culturally relevant, more culturally acceptable, and just newer, right? Because let's be honest, sometimes we don't read the classics because they're classics. They're boring. I understand anybody out there right now rolling their eyes at me or already preparing a list of arguments. I taught English for eight years. It's boring. <laughs> Maybe for you, Jimmy. You're right. <laughs> Maybe for you. One thing that we didn't talk about, though, is even with those classics, they're also coming out with different graphic novels that you can pair with that, like Mary's right. Monster that we showed on here. Yes. You know, exactly. great way of explaining how Mary Shelley went, Mary Shelley, excuse me, went through the process of writing Frankenstein and how her own demons within right. and things happening in her life which is Help a great create story. the monster, right? Yeah. What a, a different way to story. look at it. Yeah, and it is. It's a really great anticipation guide, so mm -hmm. to speak, a way of hooking kids. I mean, imagine pairing that. Frankenstein, Mary's monster. Hey, let's go write a research paper about oh, that. Oh, that's crazy. And you know what? You could even pair it to that uh, novel that we're going to discuss a little bit later, Eliza and Her Monsters. Yes. Completely different topic, completely different subject, but how our inner demons, one, inspire our creations and also hinder them. You already just took me to shout my favorite book yeah. of the year. Okay, this is going to be awesome. But on the presentation, I talked about mangas, I talked about historical ones, I talked about Batman, X, uh, you know, Avengers versus X-Men, and just how all of these different graphic novels can really engage students, really hook us as people, and just keep reading. Uh, even Herding Cats by, you know, uh, Sarah Anderson, Sarah Scribbles. If you haven't seen her stuff on the net, you need to go check her out. She's hilarious. You know, one thing I thought about hers is if you just took the scenes mm -hmm. and you paired that and kind of gave kids a prompt with that. Like, oh, that would be great. Hey, write a quick short story about this. Or, hey, give me a paragraph of what you think is yeah, happening here. One, Set this up. There's one recent one where the cat's shoving its head into the glass of water. And yeah. she's like, dude, the bowl's right here. <laughs> that one's hilarious, but imagine the short story for that one. Exactly. All right. Okay, and one thing we didn't mention about this because mm -hmm. I had no clue this had happened. I didn't realize the Kite Runner is now a graphic novel. That's right. Yeah, I included I that no one in clue. there and it blew your mind. That was I hilarious. saw the presentation by Jimmy and called him right then and there. It was like, how did I not know this? Yeah. And that's the thing. There's a lot of people who are like, how did I not know this exactly. exists? They exist. They're out there. All right. So looking at some of the books that we kind of showcased, um, one of the ones that I looked at was the book Someday We Will Fly. Newer title is looking at Holocaust, World War II in a different way. We're looking at the Jewish refugees that were able to, you know, um, leave 
Germany, Poland, different places like that. And they actually, many of them went to Shanghai during that time because yeah. it was one of the few places refugees could go without a visa. And when you said that, it makes sense to me now. But when you first mentioned it, I had like, it didn't occur to me like, yeah, they could go east. Yes. They didn't have to go west. No. You know, the west, most of the western world denied them. Well, exactly. And that's one of the yeah. things I had no clue. And when I was reading this book, I did not realize that we had a ship of refugees of jewish refugees that came to the united states with missionaries and they were turned away from the yeah. united states i had absolutely no idea i knew I about mean, that in how history, yeah. many years of history did i have mm -hmm. and somewhere along the line i'd missed that and that's isn't that the thing that we we're going back to with the whole mm -hmm. thing about this presentation and why students should have choices that you get so much more information if you just allow kids to explore yep exactly um, you know, another thing about this book that I found interesting was the fact that Shanghai at this point had already been um, captured and taken mm -hmm. over by the Japanese. Yeah. Um, and it's that kind of struggle of what's going on in their land. Mm -hmm. However, our Jewish refugees right. are looking at things. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of that back and forth of realizing. Um, and it's 1940s before Pearl Harbor, but during the story, we mm -hmm. see Pearl Harbor happen, U.S. enters the war, and we really see things start to I'm going to have to read this one. This one is definitely on my list. Yeah. Um, right. And then Rachel uh, Dewaskin, I believe is how she pronounces her last name, um, actually spent, I believe, six summers in Shanghai writing that's a this lot. book. So she that's did dedication. her research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good one. I'm going to have to read that yeah. one. Let's see. What do we have next? next? Oh. oh, the Poet X. So, uh, <laughs> you guys already know my feelings towards this book. Yeah. I think we've already discussed we already talked this one. about this one, but we're just going to throw it out there one more time. If you haven't gotten it already and you've been listening to us since the beginning, go get this book. Yes, please. And there's another book that just came out, and I bought it on Sunday, and I'm the pulling fire up on my high. phone. Is that a, what yes, the title? I think that's the name of it. The fire on uh, high? With the fire with on high. The fire on high. Yeah, I'm going to read that one. I'm reading actually rereading the Poet X because I want to reread it you. beforehand. I told you. And um, so, yeah, if you haven't already, read it. Yes. Right. And if you haven't listened to the audiobook version, but yeah. you have read the book, you need to do both. And if you have some experience with poetry, read The Poet X out loud. Yes. I didn't do that the first time, but I'm doing that now. Damn. Mm -hmm. That's good. Could you imagine being in an English class and reading, reading that book yeah. with your kids? Oh, oh man, it'd be so engaging. Yeah. It just, yeah. But I hey, love that book. You know, I can't Greg stop. Gatsby, right? <laughs> That's the last That's one we're talking right. about. I know. <laughs> I know, Jimmy. I know. Okay, what else do we have on here? Dear Martin. Dear Martin. We talked about that yeah, one. We've talked um, about Dear Martin in the past, yeah, too. Yeah, we have. Um, guys, just, it's a good book. It And uh, one thing that I told on this presentation that I didn't tell um, in previous podcasts is I thought Nick Stone was a dude. Yeah. And I was like, when I read this book, I thought, man, this guy gets it. He knows what's up. And then I found out he was a she. And yeah. That's how well written this book is. So if you haven't gone out and gotten Dear Martin yet, do it. Yeah, I Come would... out to Landrum and check it out for me. I'll let you borrow. I think that is a read anyone yeah. can pick up. And Absolutely. it's so short and quick and right. to the point. I, I love that book, especially for your struggling readers. Yeah. Yeah. Quick you read. You can't go wrong with it. All right. Next up. All right. The Astonishing Color of After. Now, in our presentation, I talked about the fact that mm -hmm. AP test is changing. Yes. Um, and I am a firm believer that with the new person that they kind of have and not necessarily, well, she's pretty much in charge mm -hmm. of, you know, content for AP English, things along those lines, younger, really looking to add new authors on their diverse books. I really think this is a book we will probably see 
referenced on AP tests in three to five years. And that's another one I want to put on my mm -hmm. list because the way you talk about it, it uh, it makes me really want to get into it because you know you this is what's what where does this take place again? Uh, this one so U.S. Mm -hmm. and then she goes to Taiwan. So yeah. um, the character in this one, um, her father is American, her mother's Taiwanese. They meet, fall in love, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Baby's born. Um, but the start of the story is where Lee and her best friend, mm -hmm. who they've been fr best friends forever, they actually end up kissing. Okay. And first kiss, you know, yeah. all the sparks, all the wonderful things right. um, happen. And then right after, pretty soon after, she gets a call from her dad to come home. And she finds out that her mother's committed suicide. Right. <coughs> Excuse me there. Sorry. You mentioned that she sees this bird and she believes that the bird is actually her mother. Uh, she knows. She knows. The bird is her she mother. There the is no mother. metaphorical, oh, some, yeah. no, the bird is her mother. And what's crazy about that is that because uh, I think uh, being half Vietnamese, you know, we have uh, the notion of um, reincarnation, yes. you know, in Buddhism and things like that. And when you said that to me and you told me that it was Taiwanese, it struck me as um, a book that I want to read because so many people believe that when your your loved ones go into the afterlife, they come back and they don't necessarily come back as a person, but they come back as an animal something that's able to, you know, be born quickly and die quickly simply because so they can communicate with you. And uh, I just, you know, it kind of struck a personal chord and it made me want to read that. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. I don't know what's going on there. Um, one of my favorite things about this book is when the character, well, the main character and her best friend are explaining their feelings to one another. Mm -hmm. They relate it to colors. They say, what color is it? Yeah. And I think that was one of my favorite things about this book. Because we talk about emotions, mm -hmm. but the fact that they were putting it into the realm of colors, Color. it just changed. And Emily Pant, she does a fantastic job. Her her verbalization and wording, uh, yeah. it's yeah, I can't even. Okay. I won't. I can't do it justice. So I'm All just right. gonna leave it at that. Read so the, the book. astonishing color of after. Yes. All right, I'm gonna have to read that one. That one's on the list too. All right, here's your big one. So Eliza and her monsters. <laughs> um, Nicole actually recommended this book to me. And when she let me borrow it, I'll have to admit that I was a little hesitant on reading it because it's not my style. It's not something I would pick up ordinarily by myself. But she recommended it to me, so I gave it a shot. What an amazing book. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one of those things, guys, where if you only read a certain genre or if you only read a certain style of book or you only like this or you only like something said that, allow yourself to be a little bit more open because this book really moved me. It was a really just it was a powerful story mm -hmm. the story is of a girl who is the author of this online web comic and um the thing about it is she doesn't reveal her true identity on it and the reason is because she's very much an introvert she's very private about this you know she doesn't want to talk about it she only has a couple of online friends very uh sheltered in the sense that she doesn't like to open up to people in real life but then she meets this boy wallace and of course her life gets turned upside down, not only because he kind of brings her out of her shell, but because Wallace writes fan fiction about her series. And it's like the best fan fiction ever created. And it turns out that the creator of this universe and the number one fan online end up meeting and become involved in a relationship. And so it's just a great novel about 
romance, about the creative process of, you know, just being a teenager. And it also includes graphic novel elements in it, which yeah, is really cool. Yeah, you said it's a mix of many it's a genres with Yeah, fan fiction, graphic novel, you know, prose. I think one of the things I really enjoyed when you were giving the presentation was how you talked about that this is, I mean, top level, mm-hmm. everyone knows about her online. You yeah. Know, everyone knows about what she's writing. And everyone reads this comic mm-hmm. and this graphic novel and things like that. And even her bullies. Yeah. Who bully her every single day. Torment her. Just absolutely torment her. Are fans her. of this comic. Yes. And none of them yeah. know. Even her little, little brothers. Yeah. Yeah. I loved they that no aspect idea. of it that nobody knew that she yeah. was the creator. And yet they're all seeing... Mm-hmm. You know the creator of this in such yeah. a perfect light, but yet exactly. in real life, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's I also kind of cool how about it just touches upon like you know the creative process and how that manifests itself into something that we have no control over. Because we all have, I mean, some of the things mm-hmm. that our students do, yeah. I'm in awe of every right. day. Exactly. You know the things that they create. I just look and oh, go, yeah. man, um, I can draw a stick figure. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it might be a little off, but yeah, yeah I can try. Yeah. yeah, and then they, you know, produce these. Oh, they these. create these masterpieces. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, I just did this between third and fourth period while I was walking to your class. I'm like, like yeah, oh, okay. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. I'm giving you an F. <laughs> okay. All right, this one's yours. So, we kind of had this discussion mm-hmm. in our presentation that the Poedex was kind of our book of the year for last school year. Right. For me personally, Shout is my call right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) on it being my book of the year for kind of 2019 2020 um i absolutely adore this book that's bold though i know that's bold we haven't even gotten to 2020 yet we haven't finished 2019 i'm aware yes august (laughs) yes i'm aware that this is a very bold statement to make right now okay but there's reasons behind it okay so let's hear them yes um now for those of you that know shout already or if you don't it's Lori hulse anderson's memoir of her own life and mm-hmm. what led her to write speak mm-hmm. um so lori hall sanderson amazing author speak fever 1793 winter mm-hmm. girls chains mm-hmm. i mean the list goes on yeah um very well-known author and in this memoir she it's written in free verse which mm-hmm. i think is kind of like my pool lately i don't know what's yeah. going on with me with free verse but well, maybe she's drawn a poetry maybe maybe, maybe lately that's get it. you to open my poetry night <laughs> so you can start spitting some of your own rhymes out but one of the, no <laughs> you don't want to hear those um but one of the things that really drew me to this book was her openness about everything that happened to her not just her own experience with rape but mm-hmm. her experience and experiences in her life mm-hmm. um Mother and father were both mm. alcoholics, struggled yeah. with alcohol. Um, I didn't realize this. She was dyslexic when she was younger, mm-hmm. and it was her struggle to finally learn how to read that. and overcome yeah. that. Um, and she just tells the story of her life and everything that led her to it. But the thing that really struck me was she really narrowed in on what is the pushing force for leading us to finding our way. In terms of our future self, um, there's one quote that I'm going to read yeah. that it, it, when we've talked about this before, there yeah. are those close the book moments. And right. You just have to stop and take a moment. And for me, this was the close the book moment. She says, too many grownups tell kids to follow their dreams like that's going to get them somewhere. Aunt Lori says, follow your nightmares instead, because when you figure out what's eating you alive, you can slay it. 
I mean, how many of our kids yeah. need to hear that? Yeah. Every day. No, they really do. We see them come in. And you know, and you can see it on them that they're struggling with mm-hmm. something. You might not know what, but you know there's something within them. Yep. Right? There's something that's pushing us. It's not all the time. And it's not every one of them. Yeah. Well, it relates to the fact that I think that they feel that no one identifies with them. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I had told, and this is a personal story. That, that whole, I'm a team, you don't get me. Sorry. Thanks, right. Alexa. Or, no, <laughs> Siri. Siri. Thanks, Siri. Yeah, and they think that we don't get it. And um, one Siri. personal story. <laughs> one more time now, Siri. Sorry about that, guys. She really wants to tell me something today. Oh, uh, we're leaving that in there. We're not taking that out of the post edits at all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so when I was a high school teacher, uh, one of the kids had mentioned that, uh, like, Mr. Mai, you don't understand. And the thing about it is we were talking about um, poverty. And at this moment, it was one of those, like, cap the expo marker shot, you know, throw it on the board and like, all right, y'all ready for some real talk because it's about to hit you. Yeah. And we were talking about all the things that happen when you are poor, when you grow up, you know, not having what everybody else has. And the thing I was telling them about, I was like, I was, you know, telling these kids like, hey, look, I know what it's like when you go home and the electric's out. I know what it's like when you're sitting there embarrassed and you have to go through the box of food from the church, right? I know what it's like when you have to heat up water on the stove because you just don't have any hot water and the only thing you have is propane. And the point of this is I was going on and on and I I told them all the same thing. I said, the point of the matter is this, you heat up the water, you bathe in the dark and you get ready for the next day. Yeah. And that's exactly what that quote kind of attests to is just slaying those, those nightmares, you know, accepting where you came from and then just fighting it. Yeah. Using that as your motivation. I could chase my dreams all I want. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I'm going to end up living on some like, you know, mansion estate you know, in some European country, you know, with access to all the coffee that I want in the world. Because <laughs> that's what it boils down yeah, to. Yeah, that's what it boils down to is Literally. the coffee. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> Pun intended, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Anytime it's about coffee. Right. <laughs> all right. So we're going to now. So this I graphic... love that you added this in here, by the way. Yeah. Yes. I love that you Why added that? this book. Because it's something that we need to discuss and we need to talk about and kids need to hear. Mm-hmm. Because we, I'm, I'm going to let you open it up okay. first and tell everyone what book this is first. So this is a graphic novel. It's called Terminal Lance, the White Donkey. This book was written by a Marine, about being a Marine, right? But not necessarily for Marines, for everyone. This was the authors grappling with what happens when soldiers, when Marines go to war and they come back to a society that's not prepared for them. And they come back to a society they're not prepared for it as well. Yeah, a society that's completely different than the one they had been in when they were actively in a war zone. A beautiful book, beautiful novel. It's not just some, you know, run and gun them, shoot them kind of thing. This thing tackles the idea of PTSD so beautifully. And you, it really is a story about this man's best friend that he lost in the war. And the reason he wrote it, I feel, is to kind of show the other side of what war is. Too often, war is glamorized by games like Call of Duty, Battlefield, movies like The Hurt Locker, right? And it shows like i don't know like this glamorized view of you know combat not, not necessarily glamorized but it's it doesn't show the, the consequences yeah not necessarily it, even the consequences mm-hmm. it just shows 
the war aspect. Right. And guess what? When you go out into the military, that doesn't mean that's necessarily going to be exactly. what you're what going Exactly. You experience. Exactly. Yeah. And oh. this book is such a beautifully well done uh, piece of artwork and narration as well. The quote that I picked here is from his uh, friend who said, out here, there aren't always good decisions, just decisions, which really touches on the part the hidden side of, you know, what going to war means. And I included this in here because, you know, a lot of the stuff that a lot of the kids that we work for work with work for, actually, because this is a service industry. Yeah. You know, we're here for them. They think that they want to go be big, bad, tough Marine. You know, and when in actuality, they're just looking for a way out. And I really think this book is a good talking piece to not talk them out of it because you always want to ultimately have them make their own decision, but to have a conversation about what they are about to do for the next four years of their life. Do they know what they're getting themselves exactly. into? Are you making a decision? Right. That's Knowing everything. Exactly. And Having all of the information. Because yeah. that's what we're all about as librarians is, do you have all the right information? You know, and one thing that, you know, we kind of mentioned mm -hmm. during this presentation was the fact that at 18 years old, your brain is not fully exactly. developed. Are you sound mm -hmm. to make this decision without knowing everything? Exactly. You yeah. know, it's one thing to go to a military academy, mm -hmm. graduate, go in as an officer. Yes. That's one yeah, thing. That's one thing. You're there's your grown. career. Yeah. yeah. It's another thing to uh what else am I gonna do? Enlist. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Terminal Lance, the white donkey. If you haven't, give it a shot. I highly recommend it. All right. Fifty seven bus. Okay, so I haven't read this one yet. It's on my list, especially after the way you two both talked about it. Yeah. So I'm gonna let you talk about this um, one. Um so fifty seven bus, mm -hmm. true story. Two teenagers in Oakland, they ride the same bus line for eight minutes every, you know, like school day. Mm -hmm. um, this bus line runs from one side of Oakland to the other. You see the highest of the high, rich, affluent, mm -hmm. all of these things. You see the lowest of the low. And everything in between. And, exactly. And it is the story of how one split second decision led to a life of change for two teenagers. Mm -hmm. um, you have a transgendered teen that was on the bus, you know, pretty good lifestyle, you know, family's well off. And then you have um, an African-American boy who's on the bus with his friends, mm -hmm. gets talked into using a lighter just to kind of spark it, spark yeah. it under, you know, by the skirt of our transgender teen, uh, Sasha. And skirt ignites, Sasha's severely burned, and Richard, um, the one that was lighting the lighter, is now charged with a hate crime and looking at life in prison. Yeah, that's and a big deal. It is. And this book is such a powerful piece to open the discussions of what does one decision potentially mm -hmm. lead to. Right. You know, and, and our how kids... How does that impact the rest yeah, of your life? Yeah, exactly. And our, our students are making these decisions every single day. Yes. Every Multiple times a day sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I mean... And I think that's what's so powerful about this book is you see both of their stories within and how it affected both. Right. And the what it takes to forgive after mm -hmm. something has happened yeah. to you like this. It's the power of what it takes to get there and why. 
That's pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, because I don't think I could forgive anybody who set me on fire. Yeah. And I mean, severely burned. We're, yeah. we're talking yeah. severe burns. I mean, you're talking nerve damage. You're talking about permanent disfigurement, permanent exactly. pain. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I'm going to have to read that one. That one's on the list, too. We're not going to mention this book. No, we're there not. There is a book on here that if you look at the presentation, you're going to realize this is the one we didn't talk about. And the reason we're not going to talk about this one, because this was not our story to tell. No. This is not our book to talk about. We're going to bring Nicole Sala on here one day. And she's going to talk she's about this. she's going to tell the story. Yes. And when you guys look at this presentation, I know we've talked about how we picked mostly, mm -hmm. you know, newer YA novels to use in the classroom. You're going to look at this one and go, wait, this isn't right. new. This yeah. book's been out there. And it's just because we wanted to end our presentation mm -hmm. on a specific note. And you're going to have to wait. Yeah, you're gonna have to wait for that Until one because there's just no way we can't tell either this. of us. This is her story. Exactly. Yeah, this is her story to tell. And we can't wait for her to tell it. To no. You. Um, so at the end of our presentation, we also added some other titles um, that we really mm -hmm. love. Some that pair well with some of the other novels that we've already talked about. Right. So we had um, with the high, uh, the fire on high. Uh huh. We added that one in there. October morning. Uh, let's see, the lovely war, which is pretty new. Faithful spy. Our stories, mm -hmm. our voices. Darius the Great is not okay. There's a big mix. Uh, Ramona Blue. Yeah. There's a big mix of a lot of other books in there. The other thing that we did within this presentation is we linked all of these books to Goodreads. Goodreads. Yeah. So, so if you want to check it out. Them. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Um, another thing mm -hmm. we added in here, and don't worry, we finished our PD we books. We did. <laughs> so we did end up finishing them, even though we didn't want to leave summer. I still don't want to leave somewhere. I like I know we're back at work. We're technically on contract, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> can we rewind? <laughs> Is that time travel? I mean, I don't okay. want to go back in time all the way. Let's just just the start of the summer. It's like when you tap on Netflix and it goes back ten seconds. Can we just do that with time? Yeah, just tap it yeah. just once. Just ten weeks. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking for. Ten weeks. Um, so at the end of the presentation, we also added some of our PD titles that we've mm -hmm. been uh, reviewing recently. And then our recent favorite reads, which on there on the come up, yep. What If It's Us, A Brief History of Seven Killings, Where the Crawdads Sing, The Cuban Co the Cuban Comedy. Mm -hmm. There we go. Maybe I can yeah. talk at some point today. There you go. You and then I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Yeah. So, and my, like, serial people out there mm -hmm. that love the podcast serial, you love true crime. Oh, yeah. If you have not read I'll Be Gone in the Dark, get ready for a wild read. That yeah. is the next thing you need to go pick up if you haven't read that one. Yet. And for people who just love the beach, love the Caribbean. <laughs> the, Car the Caribbean? I want you to read A Brief History of Seven Killings, and I want you to read the Cuban comedy. Because as much as we feel that, oh, these places are awesome, they're so idyllic, I want to live here. People live there, ladies and gentlemen, and you need to read their stories. Yes. All right. And that was pretty much it for our yeah, presentation. That was it. So you can find this presentation at, uh, we have a link for you here. And that's http colon backslash backslash. And that's bit.ly backslash 2ZNMND5. And the Z and the D are capitalized. Yep. And we're also going to tweet this if you haven't followed us at Behind the Circulation Desk. Mm -hmm. And our Instagram, which is Behind the Circulation, behind the circulation Desk. desk. <laughs> well, technically our Twitter is at Behind Desk. Yes, at Behind Desk. <laughs> that's the there only one I could get. I know it sounds weird, but that's all so I could get. We'll post that there. And um, we'll also post this 
um, linked on the description yes. of the podcast itself. And then we have our personal Twitter on mm-hmm. the presentation as well. So if mm-hmm. you guys want to follow us, a lot yeah. of times you can see what we're doing in our own libraries. Like yeah. for me this year, you know, it's a total change for me. Yeah. Shelby's at a new campus, complete mm-hmm. 180. Um, different campus, different population of students, different expectations from administration. And I will be continuing my journey at Landrum. Yes, you will. I'm really excited about that because, I don't know, this is the first time in a long time that I've been at a campus for this long. And when I came into Landrum, I thought, you know, to myself, wow, you know, this place needs a lot of work in my view of how I wanted the program to look. And now I'm stepping into my fourth year with the program in place. And it's so awesome just returning to work and working with all the teachers and thinking about things that we're doing now that they're just moving pieces as opposed to initiatives that we're starting. And don't get me wrong, there are new initiatives such as digital expansion that we're going to be doing that everybody is doing. But it's still an exciting time for both of us. One, continuing the path that we've been on and the other starting a new path. And it's just, it's going to be an interesting year. 2020 is going to bring some Because, you know, my life right now has been all digital expansion recently. Yeah. So really for us, and we've talked about this mm-hmm. before and kind of at the beginning is we are, a we well, we are a one-to-one district. We are working to full mm-hmm. one-to-one integration at all of our secondary campuses. So that's, yeah. my campus is already fully one-to-one, but our incoming freshmen, right. we're checking out their devices to all of them. So that's kind of what we've been, you know, mm-hmm. really focusing on over the last couple of days yeah. is that, and then integrating our online learning system into everything we're doing in the classroom right. as well. And Landrum is going one-to-one this year for the first time. October? Uh, yes, October. Uh, last year we did a soft uh, launch where we had, you know, class sets in the classroom and worked out beautifully. The teachers are really excited and really engaged to provide technology in the classroom, but now we have this new step. And so for those of you thinking that we just sit down and read books all day, we don't. you're wrong. We wish. <laughs> if you're a librarian out there, you know what we're talking about. You know what about. we're talking about. And if you're we not... We wear a lot of hats. Yeah, there's a reason why we need a master's for this job. <laughs> Exactly. And we're not masters yet. <laughs> we're getting, no, we're no, getting no. there. Oh, no. All right. We're going to have to so, wrap this up yep. because, um, yeah. Dinner calls. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us again. Yes. Thank and you, guys. signing off, I'm Jimmy Mai. I'm Shelby Slay. And this was Behind the Circulation Desk. Have a good one. Ciao. That's that chaotic evil thing that I